Welcome to the Platform Podcast, where we talk to coaches, athletes, experts, and real people to learn about their approaches to training, nutrition, mindset, and much more. I am your host, Jordan Kundi wright founder and head coach of the Twin Cities Kettlebell Club, and I am on a mission to help others build a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. Before we jump into the episode, I want to remind you that registration is live for the second annual Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on October 22nd, hosted by our friends at the Athlete Lab in Little Canada, Minnesota. And just as we did last year, we'll be including options for video submission for participants who are unable to make the trip in person. You'll be eligible for all of the same prizes as our in-person competitors. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com for details. Now on this week's episode, it is a Kettlebell Fat Blast special. I'm talking through my 13 levers of transformation. Now these are the things that I consider to be the most important factors that we have to think about holistically in a systematic fashion in order to toggle things up and down depending on what your goals are, what phase you're at, and what your lifestyle looks like, right? So these are very important factors in thinking of them and understanding how they interplay with one another is very important and understanding how they relate to a specific goal or a specific outcome is a very important piece of being successful in any transformation. So without further ado, let's dive into the episode. I hope you find it useful. Please contact me if you have any questions, send me comments, and I will see you on the platform. All right, welcome into this week's episode of the Platform Podcast, Kettlebell Fat Blast Edition. Now, my topic this week is one that I think is pretty important. It's it's actually kind of an overview of my approach to how we manage a transformation. So I've actually created a free resource um, that, that's called the 13 Levers of Transformation. And it is a framework that... I, of how I think about manipulating variables uh, to create change. Because one of the things that is very clear to me is that systems thinking is not something that a lot of people are particularly good at or know a lot about. Um, and what systems thinking is, is essentially understanding that for a particularly in complex scenarios in complex situations and in complex systems uh, that systems are interconnected with one another and that what you do in one area has ramifications in multiple other areas and that we need to be able to manipulate those things in, in a way that shows understanding of how it affects the system as a whole. So you have to be able to take a step back, open the aperture a little bit wider and understand what it is that the system looks like and how you can toggle different parts and influence different variables within the system 
to get the outcomes that you're looking for or to make the changes that you're looking for. So you don't create problems for yourself upstream or downstream or in other, in other systems. And when we do that, when we have that understanding, um, it's, it's part of, it's very, it's, it's how we go about building an appropriate program. It's how we, it's how we go about building an appropriate approach to nutrition and training, right? So this particular topic is focused around uh, nutrition in, in particular, but um, the, the 13 levers, as I call them, are, are, what, are what we need to have in place and what we can manipulate in order to make changes. So what those are is clarity, commitment, consistency, community, sleep, hydration, energy balance or calories, macros, micros, nutrient timing, exercise activity, non-exercise activity, and supplementation. Those are the 13 areas that we can, uh, the 13 levers that I look at when I'm, when I'm assessing uh, somebody's success or failure and looking at what are the areas that, that we can that we, that we need to address right now, I'll go through them and just spend a little bit of time on on each of them. Some of them I'll talk about a little bit more in depth, Um, but clarity, I've already done a podcast on clarity is, is about knowing what it is that you want. What are your goals and understanding that performance, health, and aesthetics are different points on the triangle, right? We call that the triangle of awareness, right? You cannot pursue all three of those goals simultaneously. You have to index towards one or the other and focus more on that. Now you can move directionally um, towards, towards two or three of them, but you can't, you, there are trade-offs again, systems thinking when you, when you optimize for performance, you will have some uh, typically some ramifications for health and you may have some ramifications for aesthetics. Um, when you optimize for aesthetics, you will downregulate on performance and there may be health implications. When you optimize for health there, you might not look your best, um, et cetera. Right. So deciding which area you want to focus on is where clarity comes in. Commitment is knowing now that you know what you want, are you committed to doing what is necessary to getting what you want, right? So if you don't have clarity, you can't be committed. If you're not committed to what you're clear on, then you won't achieve it. So commitment, uh, commitment is, is lever number two. So we have to, we have to get commitment, you know, and that's the, the old uh, Heidi Klum, are you in or are you out, right? <laughs> you, have to, you have to decide uh, if you're in or you're out. You can't be, you can't be halfway in where we're, we're, we do everything. We do everything with our full ass. We, we have no half ass consistency. That is number three. Consistency is incredibly important. That is, I would say the number one predictor of success is how consistent you are able to be with your behaviors. This is why we index more on habits and lifestyle changes 
than we do on short-term interventions, hacks. Um, I, you know, that's a term that gets thrown around biohacking. What are the, what are the, the tricks, right? Um, what are the superfoods? <laughs> um, the, there are no superfoods. Um, there are some hacks there, you know, in, in terms of there are shortcuts, there are things that can make life easier. Um, but those hacks are, are hacks that help you be more consistent, hopefully. Um, so consistency is super important. And that is just the regularity with which you can perform uh, the behaviors necessary to make the changes that you are seeking to make, right? Again, it goes back to that clarity of goal, right? You have to know what your goals are and you have to commit to it. And then you have to build consistent habits that you can sustainably do consistent behaviors, right? And we're, we're going we're gonna to dive more in on, on habit formation in another another podcast um, because that's something I'm, I'm actually pretty obsessed with um, particularly right now um, habit formation is really really important community that's another one that, that we've talked about before community is the need for social uh, support right social interaction we are communal beings we need to find our tribe right and I don't mean that in the uh, I don't mean that in the traditional sense. I don't mean that to be pejorative to to Native American or or tribal communities. But I we need to find our group of people, right? Who are the people that are on your team? Who are the people that you choose to interact with? Community is super important. Where do you live? Where do you go? How do those people support you? There is a ton of research out there that shows that. Uh, community is incredibly important. I think every one of us probably understands that at a much deeper level post uh, pandemic, not that the pandemic is over, but for a lot of us, uh, it's, it's returning to some semblance of normalcy and we're all seeking that community feeling. We understand the importance of social interaction and having, having a group of people. So community is super important. Um, it leads to a lot higher levels, again, of consistency having a group of people that hold you accountable for your behaviors. Um, and also it just leads to better outcomes, lower levels of depression, higher life satisfaction. Um, being involved in your community is, is super important. And there, you can have multiple communities. There are, there are facets. Um, you know, there are, there are different pockets of community. Work is part of your community. Um, your social activities is part of your community. Your church might be part of your community. Um, social, social groups, you know, your bowling team, your kettlebell team, your uh, whatever. There, there are all sorts of things um, that, can, that can toggle to community. Sleep. We talked with Nick Real about, about sleep. The importance of sleep is incredibly, incredibly big. Sleep is the longest lever that we can pull, uh, in my, in my opinion, right? And sleep is one of those baseline habits, uh, that you need to have. If, if you are not, if you are not consistently getting, uh, enough sleep to recover from the activity that you're, uh, that you're doing, you will find that you're, you're spinning your wheels, right? Um, sacrificing sleep to exercise is very, very rarely a good trade-off. Now, can that be, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to speak in absolutes because there are times when, um, making, making trade-offs like sacrificing sleep, uh, to get a workout in is, is the right decision. 
Um, but it's very, very limited. Uh, the frequency with which that happens needs to be very, very low. I'm not saying that you should, <laughs> that you should uh, skip your workout. If you're a morning workout person um, that you should consistently skip your workout to make sure that you, you know, that you get eight hours of sleep every time. No, I would say get to bed earlier <laughs> is, is the important, is the important piece. Um, but on occasion, it is okay to, to get a little bit less sleep, um, but you can't do that consistently because if you do that consistently, you are going to not get the results that you're looking for. You won't get the, you won't get the uh, muscular response uh, to weight training. You will see increased levels of cortisol. You will see uh, decreased levels of recovery, increased muscle soreness, um, higher injury risk, lower cognitive performance, lower physical performance, uh, worse mood, more likely to be depressed, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So again, systems thinking, right? Understanding that the trade-off for sleep, having too little sleep is increased stress levels across your body, decreased levels of recovery, decreased levels of performance, decreased life satisfaction, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of people can improve their outcomes in their transformation goals simply by improving their sleep without changing anything else in their, in their life, just getting more sleep. So if you're, if you're consistently getting five or six hours of sleep right now, um, unless you are one of the very, very anomalous people um, that, that does not require more than that physiologically. Because again, bioindividuality is a thing. And I, and I, so don't come at me and be like, I only need six hours of sleep. The likelihood that you are one of those people is pretty low because it's, I think the, I think the percentage is something less than like 3% of the population are actually those people uh, genetically who need, who need uh, less than six hours of sleep, but they do exist. I understand that they do exist. It's not a, you know, it's not a myth, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty rare. And the likelihood that you are one of those people is, is probably pretty low. So if you're consistently sacrificing sleep because you're, you're getting up early to work, to work out, or, uh, you know, you've got too many other life demands going on, um, or the more likely option is because you're stressed out elsewhere in your life. Maybe you're staying up too late because you're watching Netflix or drinking or, uh, doing other things, working on puzzles or reading a book or whatever, like people have all sorts of escapes, but in all, in all likelihood, um, a lot of people take too much time with their decompression slash escapist behavior in the evening. Don't have, don't have a good sleep hygiene, don't have a good sleep routine, don't get to bed on time, don't go to bed at the same time every night, don't wake up at the same time every day. Um, and as a result, they get, they have big variability in their sleep patterns, right? Some people also have physiological reasons that they're having sleep difficulty, right? You might also have psychological reasons, stress, anxiety, hyperactivity or ADHD, right? Um, there are, there are a number of, number of reasons, but I would say, that is one of the longest levers we have. So you should definitely address sleep uh, first and foremost. That would be that would be a huge, huge piece. If you're going to make any physical changes to your to your pat to your behaviors, to your to your patterns, start with your sleep routine. Number six, hydration. How much water should you drink? Uh, general rule of thumb is like an ounce per 
kilo of body weight, right? So, you know, for, if you're a 300 pound person, that would mean roughly 150 ounces of water per day. Right. So, and that's, that's as a bare, that's a bare minimum threshold, by the way, <laughs> that is not necessarily what's optimal. Um, but hydration, super, super important. If you're drinking, if, if you weigh more than 200 pounds and you're drinking less than hundred ounces of water a day, you're probably not getting enough, right? If you're a little bit lighter, you can probably go, you can, you can go less, but hydration is actually one of those things. The body is, is pretty, is pretty good at, um, self-regulating through thirst and you can monitor it through the color of your urination, right? That's a pretty, that's a pretty easy feedback mechanism. Now you should be generally peeing fairly clear most of the day, you know, and particularly you need to be well hydrated prior to, uh, any physical activity. And then you need to make sure that you replenish, um, both water and electrolytes. Electrolyte balance is super important. That's part of the hydration equation. Well, we can deep dive on that a little bit more on another episode, but uh, hydration is, you know, very, very important. Magnesium, sodium, potassium, calcium, your four primary electrolytes, right? So it's very important that you, that you stay hydrated, both from a performance standpoint, as well as from a weight loss standpoint, because the body is mostly water um, or from a fat loss standpoint, the body is mostly water and the cells require a lot of water to function appropriately. If you're not hydrated, your metabolism isn't going to function optimally. So hydration, super important. One of the easiest things to change is your hydration behaviors. That is an easy habit. That is a low hanging, that is a low hanging fruit for a lot of people. Drink more water, right? That's an additive habit. We're not taking away things. We don't have to take away things. And I will say, as I sit here and sip my coffee, that coffee and other liquids do help with hydration. Um, don't, they have a diuretic effect, which means that they make you excrete they make you excrete water more. That doesn't mean that the, the water that's in, in coffee, because you know coffee is obviously like 95% water, um, that that doesn't count. It does count. That counts towards your consumption of fluids, right? Um, if you do nothing but drink coffee all day and you drink a whole bunch of coffee, you will still pee clear. Your body's pretty good at getting what it needs out of things. Food also helps with your hydration levels, right? So eating, eating food definitely helps as well. And that's, you'll hear people say, well, maybe you're not actually hungry. Maybe you're, maybe you're thirsty. That's, I haven't found that to typically be the case, but uh, your body does get fluid from the food that you consume. So hydration, hydration again is multifaceted, right? But making sure that you're getting enough fluid and biasing your hydration towards water and calorie-free drinks, right? We don't want to consume calories in a liquid form very often um, because it makes it a lot harder to then hit our caloric targets, which is lever number seven, calories, calories in, calories out, right? You've heard that trope a thousand times or more, probably a million times <laughs> you've been exposed to it at this point. It's important. That's why you hear about it so much. Calories matter. When you look at the clinical research over and over and over again, calories comes out to be king. It is still the most important factor when we're talking about maintaining a healthy body composition, a healthy body weight. Calories is still the number one thing. 
of course there are there are different approaches to maintaining calories guess what every single diet that has ever been successful does it controls calories right i don't care if it's keto you eliminate carbs guess what you do you've 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 put a cap on calories you've reduced calories by eliminating basically an entire macronutrient category same thing with same thing with a mediterranean diet right it's going to opt more for calorically nutrient dense calorically light foods um you know the south beach diet yada 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 in in almost every diet that's out there unless they're telling you that you can just eat unlimited calories of a particular food i've got news for you that's not a diet that's bullshit um calories matter right you know that's like the the thing that always drove me crazy on on the the people that are zealots for keto is like, Oh, you can, I can, I can eat as much as I want. If it just, so long as I don't have any carbs, like, really, you think you can eat that deep fried bacon wrapped avocado because it's a keto bomb and it doesn't matter. No, if you consume 4,000 calories and you only burn 3000 calories, you're going to gain weight. You're going, you're going to gain weight. If you do that consistently, longitudinally, right? So calories still matter. Now it's not just calories in, it's the calories that you absorb. So your body has to actually be able to absorb what you bring in. That's a super important distinction. The calories in calories out um, equation is much more complex than what people think. And that's where we're talking about, again, systems, because the calories out component is a product of activity as well as metabolic function, which starts getting into hormones and hormones are super important, right? So calories need to be appropriately tuned for your goals, right? And this is one of those that people tend to get wrong because of course, what we've heard over and over again, when you simplify it down to calories in, calories out, what do your doctors say if they if they say, oh, you're you're overweight and you need to we need you to lose some weight? Well, what should I do? Eat less and move more. Okay. Well, that lacks some context. What if you're what if you're only eating 1500 calories a day um, and you're already working out five, six days a week? but you're still not losing weight or you're still overweight. Why would that possibly be? Is eating less really possible for you? What are you going to do? Drop to a thousand calories a day and then, and then you lose some weight. And then what? You're going to go down to 500. You're going to stop eating altogether. No, because at a certain point it becomes untenable. So calories in calories out is, is a bit too simple. You have to eat enough calories to support proper metabolic function and in order to do that you have to understand what your body composition looks like what your training what your training volume looks like the implications that caloric intake has and macronutrient profile has on on your hormones right because your hormones are are what dictate how your energy systems actually function the store the storage or uh or burning of the energy that comes in which that's all calories are Calories are simply units of energy, right? So the calories that come in are very standard. It's a standard unit of measurement. So when when somebody says, uh, 
all calories are not created equal. That's not true. <laughs> that's like saying all miles are not created equal or all, all pounds are not created equal. All kilos are not created equal. No, they are because by their very definition, they're a unit of measurement. Now, what they probably mean when they say that is that the composition of those calories has other effects on other systems. That means that their effect on the body is not equal or their effect on the metabolism is not equal. That I will agree with. The effect and composition of calories is not equal, but calories, all calories are calories. Calories are equal. All calories are created equal in that they are units of measurement. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Platform Podcast. We'll get back to it in just a minute. I wanted to take this opportunity to tell you that I am incredibly grateful that you listened to this podcast. And the best way you could support me is to go register for the Twin Cities Kettlebell Open on October 22nd, and maybe tell a friend or two. Just go to our website, TwinCitiesKettlebellClub.com for details. If you haven't already, be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice and support my work by supporting our sponsors, whose affiliate links you'll find in the episode notes. And of course, if you want help reaching your goals without wasting time, please fill out the coaching interest form linked in the show notes. I help athletes of all levels using my integrated coaching approach. You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Twin Cities Kettlebell Club or email me at TwinCitiesKettlebellClub at gmail.com. Now let's get back to the episode. But that dovetails into the next two macros and micros, right? Now, what are macronutrients? Most people already know this protein, carbs, fat, and alcohol. Those are the four macronutrients, carbs and protein, four calories per gram, fat, nine calories per gram, alcohol, seven calories per gram. Your body can't use alcohol as fuel. It views it as a poison. It prioritizes it, flushes it from the body. Um, it actually shuts down other metabolic function in order to pr prioritize detoxification of the system. Um, so it's generally not included in macronutrient prescriptions from coaches because we don't want to encourage you to consume something that is uh, viewed by your body as a poison because that's what it is. <laughs> so you'll typically hear proteins, fats, carbohydrates prescribed in particular proportion. Now you can go down, you can go down a rabbit hole here on what are the best, what are the best macronutrient profiles for different goals? What's the best approach? You know, again, keto, low carb, high carb, high protein, low fat, high fat, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But in general, if calories are held constant across control groups in clinical experiments, we find that the macronutrient prescriptions don't matter nearly as much as the calories. So when you control for calories, what the splits of the macros are typically don't matter that much for for weight loss. And that's typically what people are looking at. And we start talking about changes in body composition, which is uh, a combination of building and or maintaining 
muscle mass and lean tissue and reducing body fat macronutrient profile makes up a much uh, bigger mix of the results. It's a much bigger proportion of the results. Generally, you want to consume you want to consume a gram of protein per pound of body weight um, is is generally the the guideline people give. And then from there, my approach to prescribing macros is we determine protein intake first, and we want to make sure that we start with that. And this is well, we we prescribe calories first, and then we and then we and then we prescribe macros. We start with protein determine how many how many grams of protein do you need to support your lean tissue goals then from there go with a percentage of fat because fats support your hormone health and that's very important and then from there we use the remaining calories uh, from carbohydrates but one thing that I tell my clients is they're getting as they're learning how to how to manage their macronutrients is the two guardrails I say calories First and foremost, let's stay within our calorie targets, then hit your protein goal, and then we can interchange fats and carbohydrates based on preference because people's preferences matter. Again, for consistency, you have to enjoy the prescription that you're eating. You have to enjoy the foods that you're eating or you're not going to be as consistent, or you have to be somebody who can simply view food as fuel and um, and really be divorced from, from uh, how it makes you feel. Um, there are not many people that are very successful with that approach long term. There are some, though. Some people just treat food as fuel and they they can just eat for that purpose, right? But macros, incredibly important. And tying those things together, you can manipulate those variables depending on where somebody's at in their journey. And that's first and foremost to make sure that they can be consistent. And if they're being consistent with their macros, then we start toggling and, and tweaking things to improve performance or improve aesthetics or improve health, depending on where they're at. Again, clarity to goal. We can adjust, we can adjust macros, we can adjust calories, right? Micronutrients is another one that doesn't get a ton of uh, attention. And that, that is all of the vitamins, minerals, um, the, the, the things that you don't see listed uh, in like my fitness pal you know, the macronutrients, micros are very, very important too. all of the vitamins and minerals are very important for their contributions to a healthy metabolic function. But one of the downsides of caloric restriction is that by rule, when you're eating fewer calories, you're going to get fewer micronutrients because you're just consuming less, less total food, which makes it a lot less likely that you're going to get all of the micronutrients that you need. That's why, that's why it becomes more challenging to keep your metabolic health um, <clears throat> where it needs to be when you're in caloric restriction for ex extended periods of time, not just the effect that it has on mood and, uh, and, and your other systems, but because those things are an outgrowth of micronutrient deficiencies that, that can come up when you are restricting calories. Right. So it's important that we understand micronutrients and making sure that we're getting those micronutrients in. And so this is where food quality comes in. This is where food choice comes in, lifestyle decisions. Right. All things being equal, calories and macros. If we eat 2,000 calories worth of Twinkies, 
that's going to give us a very different micronutrient profile than if we eat 2000 calories of lean proteins, whole grains, and healthy fat choices, right? The nutrient density is much greater in the second choice, even if calories are held equal. That's why you can see people will do these experiments where they'll be like, well, can you lose weight eating nothing but garbage food? Yes, you can. You can lose weight. And if that's all you care about, more power to you, but you're going to feel like dog shit and you're not going to be as healthy. And you'll see their other markers of health decline, even as they're hitting their weight loss goals, or even as they're proving the hypothesis that you can lose weight, even when you're eating junk food. This is where the, if it fits your macros, um, the, the, the dark side of the, if it fits your macros approach, right, is that you can create micronutrient deficiencies and you can do a lot of harm to your overall health and wellness if you're not making good food choices and choosing nutrient dense, micronutrient dense foods, right? That's when we say nutrient dense foods, what we're talking about is micronutrients, micronutrient dense foods, right? So fruits, veggies, unprocessed fats, um, and lean meats, unprocessed grains, unrefined grains, I should say, right? So those are important choices because the, the micronutrient profile will be much, much higher. So when we're looking at transformation, if we know that we're hitting calories and we know we're hitting macros, we need to look at micros as well. Are we, are we getting good food quality? Are we getting good food diversity, right? Because if, if the only vegetable you eat is green beans, green beans are great, but your body needs diversity. Otherwise you're going to, again, get micronutrient deficiencies. You need different sources of different fruits and vegetables, right? different carbohydrates, different proteins, your body thrives on variety and it needs it in order to be optimized, right? Because those things affect the ability to absorb the calories that come in metabolic function, the rate at which you burn, keeping your hormone levels optimized. Those things matter. All of those things matter. Calories, micros, calories, macros, micros, hydration, sleep, all matter for your metabolic function, right? What about nutrient timing? That's number 10. This is one that, this is one that people get uh, pretty hung up on. And I got to give the, the bros, the, the bodybuilding bros, a big, a big uh, credit for this, right? This, this got a little overblown, you know, the metabolic window, you got to get your protein, you got to get your protein in within 27 seconds of finishing your last set. Otherwise you're missing your, your metabolic, your anabolic window, right? Timing is actually more about understanding performance and health implications of hormone profiles, right? So understanding that when you, when you have just worked out and you've done an intense workout, carbohydrates get stored in the muscles first. They replenish glycogen stores, carbohydrate energy stored within the muscles for the muscles in the liver um, for tapping into during particularly intense anaerobic exercise, right? That's, that's particularly when your body, you know, uses glycogen, 
right? But it's always using a mix of fat and sugars um, during, during exercise or even at rest. But understanding that post-workout is a really good time to consume carbohydrates depending on the goal, depending on your response. In the morning, if you're someone who is overweight and tends to have more body fat, um, in the morning, consuming carbohydrates might be one of the worst things that you can do because cortisol, which is your body's storage, it, it's, it indicates a, a need to store energy. It's a, it's a stimulating hormone that stimulates storage of energy. And it also is one of the things that increases when you're stressed, right? Your body naturally produces cortisol to wake you up. It's called cortisol waking response. So in the morning, your cortisol levels are actually probably the highest they'll be all day for a lot of people. And so if you wake up in the morning and consume a bowl of, you know, lucky charms and you're trying to lose weight, that is maybe the worst possible time that you could be consuming carbohydrates. And this is where the, if it fits your macros approach again, might be falling short a little bit because people will be like, well, it's just my carbs for the day. Like I can, I can eat my carbs first thing in the morning or I can eat it at night. It doesn't matter to me. Right. Like so long as I stay under my hundred grams of carbohydrates or 200 grams of carbohydrates for the day, it shouldn't matter. No, it does. It does matter. Now, does it matter as much as going over on your calories? No. If you stay within those guidelines, calories, right? If you stay within those calorie guide, guidelines and you stay within your macro prescriptions, will you still make progress towards your goals? Yeah, probably. Right. But, but timing does matter. Right. So again, if we're talking about what are the levers that we can pull on to make the changes that we need, right? Timing is one of those things. Now it's a little higher level. I'm not going to worry about timing, nutrient timing with somebody who's not consistently getting enough sleep, who's not being not hydrated, who's, who's not hitting their calorie numbers, who's not hitting their macro prescriptions, who's not making good food quality choices, right? I'm not going to even worry about nutrient timing with people, but when you start talking about athletic performance or somebody who's not trying to lose weight anymore, or they're, or they're just focused on their athletic performance, we might have conversations about when should you be consuming your carbohydrates as much as how many carbohydrates should you be consuming? How, how many grams of protein should you be consuming, right? When should you be consuming those things? Protein in general, you should spread out evenly throughout your, throughout your, your feeding windows, right? So whenever it is that you eat, generally spread your protein out fairly evenly, right? Post-workout is a great time to get, to get protein in because your body wants it. Your body will uh, stimulate new muscle protein synthesis, um, but carbohydrates also help stimulate that IGF one is produced, which stimulates muscle protein synthesis. That's insulin like growth factor. Um, that is something that your body uses as a signal to build new muscle tissue, right. And to build new muscle tissue. So you can store carbohydrate energy in the muscles. So one of the best things you can do to improve your, improve your insulin sensitivity is strength train to build new muscle, right? Again, systems thinking, understanding that there are multiple implications here. So it's not so simple as to say you should just eat low carb, right? That's, that is a, a that is a, an, an all too simple message. If you're overweight, you should eat low carb. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. There are a lot of things that need to be considered. Timing your, your 
carbs might be more important um, for somebody who is trying to lose weight, right? Timing your carbs the right way and understanding the difference between between timing for fat loss as opposed to timing your carbs for performance, different timing parameters, right? It takes 24 to 36 hours for carbohydrates to shuttle into functioning muscles. So carb loading for your workout, you know, three hours before your workout, guess what? The only thing, the only thing that's going to be available to you in that workout is whatever's in your bloodstream at that point. The rest of that ain't getting to your working muscles. It's going to be the carbs that you ate yesterday or two days ago that your body has had time to digest, break down and shuttle to the muscles as glycogen, right? So timing matters a lot depending on what your goals are, but you have to be consistent with the other pieces first. The foundational habits have to be there in order for timing to really make a huge difference. All right, number 11, exercise. That is your training volume. That is the things that you do outside of your normal activity. These are things that you do intentionally for the purpose of exercise. It is intentional training, right? That is something that we can manipulate. When you are needing to repair and recover your metabolism, exercise intensity should decrease. When you are looking to lose body fat, you might need to increase exercise activity because we need to improve your metabolic function. And exercise choice matters, right? If you're looking to lose body fat, the first thing I would the first thing I would look at is are you lifting weights? Are you doing some type of strength training? Because strength training has better outcomes for improving your m- metabolic rate and changing your body composition than cardiovascular training does. Cardiovascular training has much more benefit for benefits for health, right? And that you need a blend of the two if your focus is purely aesthetic, right? That's why bodybuilders do fasted cardio in the morning and then they'll do strength training when they're fed. They'll do that later in the day and then they will try and get, you know, as much sleep as their schedule allows, right? Again, exercise activity prescribed based on goal, right? So exercise, volume, activity, frequency, duration, et cetera, it needs to be tuned to the goal and it needs to be tuned to your life, right? And it needs to go hand in hand with the caloric and metabolic caloric and macronutrient prescription that supports metabolic health. And if you're overtraining and under eating, you are diminishing returns. You are making it harder and harder and harder to lose body fat and, and hit your goals, the longer you do that. And that's why at a certain point, it is damn near impossible for people to actually continue losing body fat. If they continue to follow the eat less, move more prescription that they got from a doctor that didn't study anything about metabolic health, or they got one semester on nutrition, but they don't know anything about exercise, right? A lot of doctors are specialized in a particular area, but not particularly well-versed in systems thinking. They might know a particular system like the endocrine system or, you know, uh, the liver or some, you know, whatever. Um, but they might not have a ton of training on the holistic system of the human body. Right. So exercise activity, that is a toggle that we have. That is the, that is another level, another lever, excuse me. Number 12 is non-exercise activity. 
known as NEAT, non-exercise activity thermogenesis. That is the amount of calories that you burn during the day doing anything that is not intentional exercise, that is fidgeting, that is walking, that is uh, doing the dishes, that is having sex, that is you know, all of, all of the other things that you do sitting at your desk, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Those are all non-exercise activities. Obviously that is something that we want to toggle or change based on what your goals are, right? I rarely, I rarely have, tell people that they should do less <laughs> during the day. Um, but there are times when you want to be decreasing exercise and decreasing non-exercise, right? And that's when you're trying to repair, recover, right? But in general, we try and hold non-exercise activity fairly constant or to be increasing it during periods when we are trying to change our body composition. If we're trying to drop body fat, one of the easiest ways you can start is to increase your steps to walk, Go for a walk, go for multiple walks, increase from 5,000 steps to 7,000 steps a day, go from 7,000 to 9,000, 9,000 to 12,000, right? But at a certain point, you can't crank up your non-exercise activity any further in the same way that you can't increase your exercise indefinitely, exercise intensity, right? So at a certain point, you need to stabilize or you might need to back off. Right. But non-exercise activity is another, is another toggle, another lever that we can pull on, right? We might increase, we might intentionally increase your steps, right? Intentionally increase your non-exercise activity. And then last and least um, is supplementation. Now supplements, I, I have come around a lot on, um, I used to be, I used to be way into supplements. I thought they were fantastic. You know, I worked in a supplement store. Um, that was actually kind of my, my transition into getting into the health and fitness space. It was, it started as a part-time job and then I got laid off from my full-time job and then it became my full-time job. And then I became a personal trainer, but that's a, you know, story for another time, but supplementation is useful. If you're getting enough sleep, if you're hydrated, if you're getting the right amount of calories, if you're taking care of your macros, right? It can help with micronutrient deficiencies. It can help round things out. It can help with sports performance. There are only a couple of, there are only a couple of uh, supplements that actually, that actually help with sports performance, but there, there are some, but supplements in general are really, really helpful for very specific interventions. They can be very helpful for specific interventions, um, and, but that's, that's, uh, usually needs to be handled by someone who has training in that and is knowledgeable. And then also the supplements need to be quality because unfortunately they're unregulated and there's not a ton of, uh, emphasis on, on quality for some companies. They would rather focus on their profitability than on meeting the promises that they're, uh, putting out there. Right. So um, supplementation can be very useful though. So, um, uh, and, and for general health too, like vitamin D is super important. Fish oils really well researched and very safe, very effective, very helpful for a lot of things right there. There are a few, there are a handful of supplements, um, that are safe, efficacious and cheap for, for a lot of them, right. Um, supplementation can be very useful. 
Um, I'll do a separate episode on you know the supplements that I kind of consider essentials, the the ones that I the ones that I recommend, and the ones that are optional but have you know have potentially a lot of benefit or uh, might might benefit you know particular uh, particular use cases or particular situations. So, anyways, there you have it the 13 levers of transformation and a little bit about each of them. Clarity, commitment, consistency, community, sleep, hydration, calories, macros, micros, timing, exercise, non-exercise activity, and supplementation. Those are the 13 levers of transformation that I uh, tend to work with. There are some, there are some other pieces that go into this as well, but those are the ones that we can really, uh, we can really manipulate from, uh, from a coaching, from a coaching standpoint. So hopefully that was useful. Let me know if you have questions. Let me know if you want to get your hands on this, uh, on this resource. I'll, I'll try and have this ready as a, uh, as a downloadable PDF, um, soon. <laughs> it's not there yet. Um, I just started working on it, but, um, I want to, I want to put some, I wanted to put this out there because I think it's, I think it's super important. Um, and it, it really ties into, how I approach transformation and the things that I, that I work with uh, my clients on. So I wish you all the best, keep cranking, make the last one, your best one. And I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the platform podcast. We'll be back with a new episode soon. Please be sure to leave a rating and review of the platform podcast in your app of choice support our work by supporting our affiliates. And of course, if you have questions or you want help reaching your goals, reach out to me. Until next time, thanks for listening.